This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. It is uh, a, it has been a very busy news week and uh, I'm looking forward to a really fun tomorrow. It's Mother's Day. I'm, I'm not big, not big into presents, not big into the Hallmark holiday, but I have to say I got a couple of great presents from my kids when they were little the funniest ones i got one was my youngest son i think he might even still be in preschool and they had like you know write a card to your mom and write what she looks like and write what you know her favorite food and what she likes to do so it said what it was my favorite thing to do and my son wrote in there play with legos (laughs) 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 which i loved because it made me feel like best mom in the world that not only was a playing with legos but he just thought he was making my day playing with legos but my <laughs> daughter who was a year older and like way savvier i hope they're not listening super savvy she that they were making bookmarks for us and for the moms and the teacher told them to put the mom's hobby in the bookmark right in the bookmark so my daughter wrote a narco capitalism radio host and the teacher's like, is that, what is that? I never even heard of that. Are you sure? And she's like, oh, yes, I'm absolutely sure. Yes, yes, I am. So I actually took a picture of it. I don't have it anymore. I can't find it, but I took a picture of it. So if you want to go to my Facebook page, go to MonicaPerezShow.com. And if you click through the Facebook, you can see a picture of it. It's very funny. And if you like it, like my page. <laughs> then I'll know. I mean, I never, ever asked for that, but I think it would be, you know, kind of fun to see if anybody's, you know, engaging out there. Um <laughs> So, but we have had quite a week and everybody's really focused on the Comey firing. But uh, for me, I thought the more important stuff was the Yates-Clapper hearing in the Senate on Monday. And I really, I want to play some more clips of that. I've got some constitutional points I have to make. Uh, Trump put out some executive orders. I feel we need to brush up on the Constitution a little bit in order to evaluate. Binkley, do you have any tweets you want to kind of lead us off on first? Let me throw out the number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. If you want to tweet at me, you can tweet it at Monica Perez Show. What do you got? Anything. I don't care. Well, I have a tweet from Corey where uh, he says, should Congress enact the 25th Amendment to replace Trump? Why aren't they already doing so? And what would that entail? Oh, yes. The 25th Amendment is really interesting because I'd heard about it. I hadn't even heard of it before. A couple of months ago, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember the guy's name. I'll have to I'll have to post that podcast on our website, PropagandaReportDaily.com, and tweet it later when I, when I can track it down. But he mentioned the 25th Amendment, which was kind of established, this guy was saying, in the wake of JFK's assassination, Because it was an acknowledgement, according to this guy, it was an acknowledgement that the deep state had JFK assassinated because they could not tolerate him. 
and that the compromise position would be to put this amendment in so that they didn't have to actually kill anybody else. They could just <laughs> remove him from office. So I, I was interested in the 25th Amendment, so I looked it up. And then I about a week or two ago, I tweeted about it because I, I heard somebody throw it out there, and I'm thinking, nobody's just throwing out the 25th Amendment. I mean, in my I went to Stanford Law School. I'd never even heard of it. So uh, I, I knew it was coming. You know, and if somebody's throwing it out there, somebody else is going to be throwing it out there. And, and lo, it is being thrown out more and more. The relevant point, I actually highlighted that without before I, I didn't see that tweet, but it says, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments... I guess that would be the cabinet or of such body as Congress may by law provide transmit to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So the vice president and uh, and and some mob of his choosing, I guess, (laughs) principal officers of the executive department. Or such other body as Congress may by law provide. That's pretty vague. Is that other body? I don't know. Like the uh, Board of McDonald's? I mean, what is that? <laughs> so anyways, the majority of, of one of these two groups can uh, uh, replace the president with the vice president. I, I don't know. what He didn't do anything. I don't think he did anything. Trump didn't do anything. His tweets are... are I think carefully calculated, but but some might view them as irresponsible, but they're just tweets. I mean, you know, I just <laughs> I don't know what they're worried about. I don't like the uh, I don't like his ex- his executive order on the elections that he put out on Friday, which I had absolutely tweeted on Monday the feds are moving in on the elections. I tweeted a long time ago that Trump made this. Throw, seemingly throwaway comment. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, the popular vote should should rule the day, or maybe elections should be federal. You know, I'm like, wait, wait, no, 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 they should not. Like he throws this stuff out there, and you think, oh, he's his impulsive, thoughtless tweets. Like, no, <laughs> you know, there aren't that many of them. You can keep up with them, and they mean something. So what he this executive order ha- it, it asks for. Uh, basically a committee to evaluate uh, a few things. And this is what it asks for. The three things that it asks for, this executive order that he put out last week, is that a commission should study the registration and voting processes used in the federal elections and identify, number one, the laws, rules, policies, activities, strategies, and practices that enhance the American people's confidence in the integrity of the voting processes used in federal elections. Number two is it should identify the ones that undermine the American people's confidence in the integrity of the voting processes. So, so let me just tell you what that those two, his top two out of three, the first two out of three purposes of this executive order is to identify what gives the American people confidence in or takes confidence away from the voting process. So it's a confidence game. <laughs> you know, it's a, it is a confidence game. That's what the voting is. It's a confidence game. So then the third one finally gets to identify the vulnerabilities in voting systems and practices used for federal elections that could lead to improper voter registrations and improper voting, including fraudulent registrations and fraudulent voting. So 
I, I would be okay with that, except it is absolutely positively not within the purview of the federal government to address that at all. The electors, he's talking about federal elections. The, in, and I'm saying specifically with respect to the electors of the presidential election, Article 2, Section 1, I tweeted this. I did not underline it, so let me make sure I've got it right. Yes, it says, uh, Article 2, Section 1, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the number of senators plus representatives, blah, blah, blah. So it's crystal clear the states get to decide how they want to choose elect electors. That's all. And... If they want to choose, I, I mean, I honestly, according to this, the only other stuff in the Constitution that talks about voting is some of the amendments that talk about you can't discriminate on the basis of uh, age, gender, race. Uh, you can't have a head tax, which is like a poll tax. You can't just charge somebody if they don't, you can't disenfranchise people because they don't pay taxes. But you could choose any, choose it any way you want. So if California wants to throw away its electors on the choice of illegal immigrants, according, it's, it's, the, it's a state's rights issue, honestly. So I don't like federal interference in the elections, but that's what's coming, and that's what we heard earlier in these clips. I'm going to play you a couple of more. Uh, I wonder if I have. Let me, let me just take a call real quick. I'm going to Anthony in Snellville. Anthony, you're on with Monica. Uh, good afternoon, Ms. Perez. Just now, it's more like a couple of comments, really, more than questions. Yeah. Uh, particularly a comment concerning Maxine Waters. How can she say that it would have been okay if Hillary Clinton was president? It would have been okay if she fired uh, Mr. Comey. But it's not okay for President Trump to do it. And number two, I said from the beginning, when uh, Trump first took office, that Comey has to go. And he should have fired him right then and there. And I'm okay with Trump firing Mr. Comey. That's my comments. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anthony. I totally agree with you. He should have been fired immediately. Obama should have fired him. It was outrageous that Obama did not fire him. You know who else should have fired him? Loretta Lynch, except for that he saved her butt. He stepped in. She was going to have to decide what to do. And he said, she's conflicted. Uh, I'm in control here, you know, but he could have gone to Sally Yates. He absolutely broke ranks. And if they just said that right now, what happened was Rosenstein, whose authority Comey basically said he would not respect on May 3rd, Comey said if he had to do it over again, he would have. That means he did not go to Sally Yates is what he was supposed to do. Today's Sally Yates is Rod Rosenstein who made that memo. This should be a nothing burger, but nobody on the left or the right or the media or the government said what I just said, and it should put the whole matter to rest. Thank you for the call, Anthony. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Hi, today of 78. Tomorrow's high, 83. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, I'm going to go to Charlie in Smyrna. Hi, Charlie. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Not bad. Hey, I just uh, was hearing you talk about the uh, President Trump's executive order on uh, reviewing the election process. And 
he sounded more concerned than uh, than I thought uh, the, that I that I took from the executive order. What I understood was that he was just uh, getting a, a group of uh, secretaries of state from various states to study the process and then and then come up with a report about um, uh, positives and negatives for voter registration. And what's the point of it? Yeah, well, you sound. What, I was what do you think the point is? Oh, I think to. Uh, uh, to make sure that uh, some of the states that uh, are issuing driver's licenses to illegals, uh, there's not an easy path uh, to register than to vote in elections. Is uh, I understood it from listening to at least one of the secretaries of state this week that uh, they had requested access to uh, some of the people who were listed uh, here legally but not, uh, not a resident. And they were denied access, uh, I think, in the past administration from getting access to cross-check that against their voter rolls. Well, in California, I remember distinctly that they would, when you get your driver's license there, you have the voter registration behind it. And I personally knew numerous immigrants, not citizens. I don't think they were illegal, but no, not illegal, but not citizens, immigrants, who told them i can't vote and they said oh yeah just fill it out you can (laughs) so it's no secret to you know it's a policy it's a statewide policy but the when you when you head down this path i mean this is just the first step yes it isn't trump didn't just nationalize the elections although jay johnson did against the wishes of the secretaries of state in and the majority of them even to this day he made it called a critical infrastructure, and then uh, that puts it, you know, under the ultimately under the control of the feds if they call an emergency or whatever. And the Department of Homeland Security had now Kelly said he has no intention of rolling that back. And then Clapper on Monday, which I'll play for you in the next after the break, said he fully supports that designation. So I think. Even our own Secretary of State did not like federal interference in the elections in trying to figure out the voter registration rolls. It's really a state's rights issue. Maybe he's trying to figure out best practices, but they have an association. They can share practices themselves. I think it's a slippery slope, and I think I know where they're headed. I'll tell you more about it after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. And this has been a big news week. Uh, James Comey, the FBI director, was fired. It feels like a million years ago. It was Tuesday. And uh, and there have been like 11 names trotted out of people who might take his place. Merrick Garland, who is the guy everybody knows as being a nominee for the Supreme Court, but I know him because he was Johnny on the spot for the Oklahoma City bombing. I think he had something to do with the Unabomber prosecution, investigation. He seems to pop up on on cases that involve the FBI that uh, have some shadowy backstory that needs to be pushed to the side. So for him to run the FBI would be scary. But what's even scarier is the idea that Mike Rogers would run the FBI. That's another name that's being bandied about. I tweeted about it May 11th, so a few days ago. 
but I just retweeted it. If you want to go to my Twitter feed at Monica Perez show, an article by Judicial Watch about Mike Rogers. The reason that he just up and stopped being a congressman was this uh, brewing scandal that his wife was uh, one of the mucky mucks that you could trace up from the Benghazi security company that failed and led to the ambassador's death. There was a very serious, uh, you know, link there that I guess he didn't just walked away. I mean, that's what this article implies. So I think that guy's as deep state as you can get. So that would, to me, eliminate any possibility that Comey was fired because he doesn't do a good job or he can't be trusted or whatever, or I'm trying to drain the swamp because putting Mike Rogers in there would be like putting an alligator in charge of uh, patrolling the swamp. So (laughs) let's keep an eye out for that, let's say. But what I actually thought that the Comey thing, it was a lot of noise, but what really scared me about last week was what Clapper and Yates said they wanted to see come out of the Russian hacking investigation. One of the things was uh, hardening the election process. And then when we saw Macron win in France, uh, he had had a big hack. Le Pen, his competitor earlier, a less publicized, but also infiltration. The NSA came out and said, oh, well, we we spied Russia trying to mess with your stuff. So if you want our help, we'll give it to you. When I see these narratives across the board in the Western world, I always I've noticed that the policy mood goes in lockstep. I've noticed it. I noticed it with gay marriage. I noticed it with the cake baking thing. The gay marriage story was erupt i was visiting australia the gay marriage um demand city hall protests whatever years ago just when they were emerging here were emerging there i was in london a few years ago just as the bakery case was in the news here does a baker have to bake a cake for a gay marriage the exact same case like the uh, different people but the same story was in the courts like playing out in the exact same way in the exact same timing in london it's crazy i just saw a swedish rape um, Facebook lived, you know, and didn't we have a murder Facebook live? Like these parallels are undeniable in my opinion. Um, so when I saw the Macron hacking thing, the Russian hacking thing, I was like, okay, they're they're just changing the way the Western world looks at elections. They're going to harden them up by digitizing them, by rolling them up in a ball, and and what's and that is what's going to make it so difficult. So another thing I tweeted recently was a video of uh, a software engineer who was who claims he was a whistleblower testifying in court. It's very credible that Republicans went to him in 2004 and asked him to help hack into voting machines in Ohio. Now, if you have. 50 different guys you have to go to for that, it's going to be harder to control an election. But if you centralize it, it's going to be easier. So even Comey himself said several times last year, this year, that the reason Russia couldn't actually hack our election was that, and to quote Comey, he used words like, our system is a hairball. Our system is clunky. He said our system is such a decentralized mess. And I believe like maybe Brennan or Clapper, somebody put out a memo saying just that. It's such a decentralized system 
that you could never really hack it. But once they centralize it, you will be able to hack it. And it won't be Russia who's hacking it. It'll be whoever's in office is going to be the one who's going to hack it. So that's why I'm afraid of that. Uh, and, and, and I want to play a few more clips of how deep these policy reactions to the Russian hack are, uh, may get. Let's, let's start with clip. Uh, now, we're, this is Senator Klobuchar asking James Clapper some questions. Uh, it's clip four. What about our election infrastructure as we move forward? As you said, one major thing we need to do is to educate the public. Um, and I'm very concerned while we have different states, have different election equipment, I'm the ranking on rules, and we're working on a bill on well, this. How important is that to um, protect the integrity of our election equipment? It's quite important. And speaking now as a, uh, a private citizen, not my former capacity, uh, I do think that uh, our election apparatus should be considered critical infrastructure and should have the pr protections that uh, are attendant to that. Um, a lot of states pushed back when Jay Johnson, Secretary of uh, Homeland Security, engaged with uh, state election officials about having uh, that designation and having the federal government interfere in uh, in their election process. But uh, as a citizen, I'd be concerned with doing all we can to secure that apparatus. Uh, part of the uh, attended to the intelligence community assessment that we put out, DHS put out a, a paper on best practices for as an advisory on, on how to secure uh, election apparatuses in, at the state and local level. See, what I don't like about that, first of all, it is designated as critical infrastructure. Jay Johnson tried to do it, and the secretaries of state pushed back, and he did it anyway. So that was a little misleading. And Kelly, the current Department of Homeland Security head, is the secretaries of state asked him to de-designate it, and he said uh, no, or I don't think so, or whatever, no intention of doing that. And when they put out a paper on best practices, when they when they normalize stuff, it remind, this reminds me very much of the policing. You do not want your policing at the federal level, even if simply the idea of two layers for the policing makes sense. Like if if the feds want to come in and rub somebody out for political reasons and make it look like a murder, the local cops might discover that. But if the cops are federal, they, they would never discover it. It's the same unit. So you want to have that. And the same thing here, like if you want, if you put elections, if you tell, if this, if the feds tell you what systems to use, how to use them, they are going to know how to get around them. What you want to do is not tell them, you know, you want to, you want them not to know you want, what you really want to do is give everybody a piece of paper, let them write it down, fold it up, put it in a shoebox, And then everybody walks down to city hall, watches it get get counted and write it down on another piece of paper. Take a picture of it with your phone. I mean, absolutely. It's so simple that the, the closer it is to you and voting in your neighbor's house, the better, in my opinion. So that's what he said about that. It, but it gets, it gets, it gets, um, there are two more agenda items. It's hardening the elections, but it's also propaganda, censorship, um, stuff like that. So let's, hear her follow-up question clip five very good do you think we're doing a good enough job now uh back to the propaganda issue 
um, in educating our citizens about this? No, we're not. And the other thing we don't do well enough is the counter messaging. And how would you suggest we could improve that? I would be for, uh, I'm, I've been an advocate for a, a USIA on steroids. Okay, so just to interrupt for a second. He's asking, you know, I mean, she, Finkley's laughing because it's the USIA is, it was a prop, like the Ministry of Propaganda during the Cold War, and it was disbanded in 1999. And what it did, so he said, basically, we're not censoring the news enough and we're not propagandizing enough. And the USIA, look it up on Wikipedia, it went and pushed information out to... Uh, other countries and deliberately try to sway them our way, influence their elections. I mean, is that why are we laughing, Pinkley? Say that because it's so crazy. I mean, he's just saying we just need to really amp up the propaganda we're putting on towards the American people. Well, now the USIA, I believe, was outward looking towards the foreign audience. However, if you look at the Smith Munt Amendment, which passed, I think, in 2013, that it's complicated how it works. Uh, that's just a small piece of it, the Smith Month thing. But it talks about how it's now okay to expose domestic audiences to that propaganda. So that's, I think then you had an explosion really of false flags and propaganda. But, but he, he doubles down on it, Clapper does here in uh, clip six. I think counter messaging uh, the Russians, giving them some of their own medicine. Uh, much more aggressively than we've done now. I and I would hasten to add that, that is should not be uh, tagged on to the intelligence community. It needs to be a separate entity from from the intelligence community. It's something the IC would support, but should be separate from that. So he wants a dedicated ministry of propaganda. Is how I read that. Finkley, you got. Is that what you heard? That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> So this, you know, I was just like on Monday, I was like, oh my gosh, they're laying it all out. I crashed the code on the Russian <laughs> hacking. I'm, I, and I, I emailed you. I was like, this is what I'm talking about on Saturday, no matter what. Like nothing could possibly happen. That's going to make me, you know, talk about something else. And the next day, uh, the Comey thing explodes. And there's like a funny little detail about the Comey thing is that you, I've read this in several articles. Maybe you have to really read the crap out of these articles to get where I got. But I noticed they kept saying uh, Trump was in a pre-planned seclusion. Sean Spicer was the the press secretary was pre-planned at doing his service at the Pentagon. Uh, there was, you know, nothing going on on purpose. No one could have ever expected that Trump would just drop this bombshell about Comey at this time. But what's funny about it is. Uh, on Tuesday when it happened, an old uh, reporter I was listening to, I don't know who it was because it was on the radio, but he said, oh, it was so funny because, you know, when you're in this business long enough, you know, when the schedule's clear, something big's coming. So I was walking around saying, hey, man, what's going on? What's coming? What's coming? And it was just so funny because they'll <laughs> say these things. You know, it was like when they were watching 9-11. It's like, man, that looks like uh, controlled demolition, you know? <laughs> I don't know. So they, you know, they just, the, the reporters look and they're like, that looks funny to me. And then they say it and then, uh, you know, it goes over everybody's head. But there you are with this strange coincidence that, and uh, that the reporter noticed there was a big hole in the schedule. And then this bomb is dropped and Trump is disappeared. The press secretary has disappeared. 
And and the story is no no one could have guessed that there was a big bombshell coming. It's like, well, actually, yes, that the clearing the decks was in anticipation of the big bombshell, which was for sure on purpose. Anyway, wrap it up after this. Hang on if you're on the phone uh, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I have 87 Monday as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. So we've been talking about the Comey thing, and I feel like that was drown out Clapper and Yates calling for hardening the elections. And then on Friday, Trump put out this executive order about uh, getting the feds involved in advising on the elections. I just found buried in my notes. I I looked for it because I thought Comey said something about this May 3rd. Like he said something a little bit off script. Let me read this here. I wish I had the clip. He said uh, somebody was asking him about um, uh, what are we? I don't know. What should we do about tightening up the elections? Comey says, I think two things we can do and that we are doing both in the United States and with our allies is telling the people responsible for protecting the election infrastructure in the United States, everything we know about how the Russians and others try to attack those systems, how they might cut at it, come at it, what IP addresses they might use, what phishing techniques uh, they might use. And then we've shared the same thing with our allies. Just uh, here, we've got some breaking news. That's the great big news for Atlanta. I-85 is open. That's fantastic. Tomorrow's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I continue this conversation. Obviously, it's not finished yet on Twitter, at Monica Perez Show. You can go to my uh, website, propagandareportdaily.com, to find podcasts I do here with Binkley. And uh, I continue this conversation on Facebook, comments, email, whatever you want. I'll be back next week, Saturday, 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.